0: Which was more culturally significant, the Renaissance or? Uh, if it is to be said, so it be. So it is. I couldn't help but wonder. In the past three minutes, you called me a criminal, a whore, an idiot, and a liar. It's Brittany, bitch. <sighs> Welcome. I just want to start off by saying, if you tuned into my first episode of Bad Takes with Cassandra, then go ahead and give yourself a pat on the back for being one of the realest so my actual desire and dream to make a podcast is as of now five hours old i'm a sagittarius i move fast and irrationally but instead of giving you a backstory on me and how this podcast came to be five hours ago we're just going to jump straight into the nitty gritty succession so, as many of you know, Succession has finally come to an end after four triumphant award-winning seasons, and I feel incredibly honored to have bore, bore witness, bared witness to the war la- on the floor, right? <laughs> okay, um, so I feel very honored, essentially, to have been able to watch the last season, while it aired because with these hbo shows you don't want to be that person that's like oh i'm gonna wait until it's over and then i can binge it all no that just doesn't work okay you don't want to be the person who watches game of thrones three years after the last season aired because these shows are a moment their final seasons are a moment right So, anyways, Sunday night, Succession's final night airing, and I'm honestly still trying to process the episode. Many people are disappointed, many people are are enraged at how things ended, but we can't sit here and act like things didn't play out exactly how we knew they were going to play out. That being said, ideally, I didn't think, nor did I want it to be Tom, but... He was realistically the only option. Let's have a moment of silence for Shiv apologists. It was never gonna be you. It was never it was never gonna be you. So for you to be so delusional and crazy like that, it is ridiculous. You know, Shiv had me at the beginning of the season. She really had me. And this is coming from someone who was her number one hater in season one and through se- season one through three. And by episode, sorry, by episode one of season four, I came around. I thought to myself, truly, wow, Shiv might be my favorite character as of this moment. She might be the one character that I will like when the show ends. But my God, did Shiv do what she does best? Irritate the fuck out of me. So to do a little rushed recap slash review, the beginning of the episode starts off with the siblings preparing to have their showdown over the vote for the Gojo deal and not to get off track so early. And at this point, you should realize that there's going to be spoilers in this episode. So if you're listening, hate to break it to you, I'm going to ruin it for you what was with frank's turn on kendall that was surprising to me and correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like as we have yet to see and in kendall's eyes that level of betrayal from frank like again that was shocking to me that and the amount of screen time for alan ruck were the most disappointing parts in this episode for me personally Anyways, by mid-episode, it's been revealed to Shiv that Madsen has no intention of making Shiv CEO and plans on giving that position to good old Tom Lamskans. The siblings then come together in true Avenger fashion, with now the sole goal of taking down the big bad guy, Alex Skarsgård. You know, I have many thoughts on Alex Skarsgård, right? Many thoughts. And if I speak, they're gonna have to flag this episode. They're going to have to flag it and take it down. So fast forward to the board vote. mommy to B has cold feet and votes yes on the Gojo deal. So Twitter had some interesting takes on Shiv's motivation behind saying yes. And yes, I'm going to continue to talk about Shiv and my hatred for her. That being said, did Shiv abort the mission because she loves Tom and cares about her child's future? let me stop the suffragettes okay because shiv the woman who spitefully drank champagne in front of her baby daddy while pregnant does not give a fuck about that baby's future not to mention she's a billionaire her future and her child and her child's children's future will be okay it was never giving motherly When it came to shiv so let's not start pretending that it does now (sighs) however i was actually inclined to agree with like a couple of takes general takes that i've seen on on twitter i think that they got this one semi right that shiv saw kendall crystallize into their father in that room and realized that the only way she could save him is by destroying him and what happens moments later i feel like really solidifies that theory and jeremy strong's acting in the last few minutes of succession wow i cringed and pitied him so badly phenomenal stuff really so the show then ends successfully conveying the mental and physical state of every sibling with minimal to almost zero dialogue which is incredible in itself because i feel like weighted silence has been a recurring theme this season that has been done so beautifully and we see roman set free from the chains of capitalism Congratulations! Oh, my God. one can dream one can dream can't they and kendall's contemplating suicide and drugs very on brand very on brand and shift becomes a trophy wife so you know do I think the show could have ended with another season or another episode no the finale did exactly what the show was meant to do leave you disgusted I'm not sure if that's what Jesse Armstrong intended and if so he was really successful in that as well if the show had ended any other way we would have wanted more this is going to sound so gimmicky and cliche, but this Roman tragedy was never supposed to be anything more than a satirical tragedy. Like, let's keep it a book. My final opinions. Connor Roy deserved better. And it's not because I'm wearing a Conor Roy 2024 t-shirt. Not at all. And this wasn't the best episode of the season. I don't even think that it was top five. Had there been 11 episodes, I don't even think that this would have been top 10. So, sorry. Yes, I'm a believer that your final episode should most likely be your best episode. But whatever, right? We're just here with the bad takes. That's what we do here. Give you bad takes. So, I feel like now would be like the perfect moment for a break or commercial. Maybe a song. But I don't think I could legally get away with any of that. So we're just going to power through and hope for better in the future. And maybe Spotify wants to hit your girl up this early on and say, hey, we believe in you. We're going to get you some sponsors per bring them my way. So I seen the Little Mermaid over the weekend and I loved it. I'm surprised to see it have such bad reviews. They are just really going in on Letterboxd. And 67% on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, here's the thing about Rotten Tomatoes. Like, do I, do I value their opinion? Yes and no. Because I just truly can't believe that Christmas with the cranks is 5%. No, that's just, no. That's not valid whatsoever. Because that is a Christmas classic. And it deserves better. Fuck. I actually cannot stand Jamie Lee Curtis anymore. After everything, everywhere, all at once, I cannot stand her. So maybe... And Tim Allen is definitely, definitely a Trump supporter. He's definitely racist. There's no way around that. So they might be onto something. They might be onto something. We'll have to table that one. Not to get off track, but yeah, we'll have to table that one. If this podcast is around... In Christmas we'll talk about it then okay back to what I was saying so I want to get my critiques out of the way before I go into my praise like there's not that many critiques I had but let's get into them right we're gonna get into some things so one like I just really hate how they downplayed flounder yeah that fish was ugly but he was such a crucial character in the original film that it feels like such a disservice to have him play such a minimal character like that was that was ariel's ride or die and you're telling me he's only in four scenes i don't know if he was actually in four scenes but it felt like he was in a total of 10 minutes in the movie so i just feel like that was that was disrespectful to flounder um of course i'm gonna bring this up i mean it's expected everyone's gonna bring this up cgi cgi the cgi Disney needs to let go of CGI, right? And get back into the art of art. The industry has become so dependent on CGI that movies have lost some of the magic that was once in film. And I don't know if that really makes much sense, but let what I said sit with you because you know, I'm right. There were moments where characters literally looked like they had no dimension to their body and that was off-putting it's giving stick figure when i'm supposed to see a 3d body i can't imagine if i had actually seen it in 3d and disney needs to let go of 3d because it's giving like when artists release 16 different remixes of their one song so they can ensure that they end up on the top 10 of billboard that's what it's giving when disney decides to release a movie in 3d not every movie needs to be in 3d i promise you it does not the additional songs that weren't the original songs were a choice. Aquafina was a choice. Sebastian was a choice. But let me talk about the things that actually worked for the film. The actors. I've never seen chemistry like that since Rogers and Hammerstein's, aka Brandy's, 1997 Cinderella. And here we go. Here's a bad controversial take. But speaking of Cinderella, it's about time we brought back parents of a different race, okay? Cause Whoopi Goldberg, Victor Garber, raising a Filipino son, oh, it works. It works thoroughly. And I support that through and through, per. So I'm not even gonna say his last name because I just know I'm gonna botch it. But Jonah and Haley were fantastic. Oh my God, Jonah was great as Prince Eric down to the dimple Haley was perfect you know she really showcased some of her acting abilities and I really don't have anything to base it off of because I've never seen Grownish, and I don't plan on watching it you know Kenya Barnes will pay for his crimes I don't even know if that's his full name but I'm pretty sure it is he will pay for his crimes and there was a lot of jokes but In my opinion, only 30% of them landed. And Javier Bardem? Sexy as always. Again, if I speak, (laughs) they're gonna have to flag this episode. Yeah, for sure. And despite me coming for their CGI, I, I thought it was impressive. The scene for the song Under the Sea was incredible. Oh my god, like, first of all, to get off track really quick, the scene for Kiss the Girl? oh my god that is the thing romance novels are made of oh my god like are you freaking kidding me are you kidding me because that just oscar award-winning filmmaking right there that's what i'm talking about that's what i'm talking about but anyways again back to the cgi i thought that scene was incredible even the opening scene you know where we're going through the water and we're getting to see all the fish that was incredible really well done and i'm starting to understand where most of marvel's cgi budget went specifically ant-man but you know my favorite part of this whole experience and seeing this film in theater was being able to enjoy the nostalgia that it gave me because let's face it it made a character that yes is a novelty and a classic but The girl ain't been relevant in decades, okay? And Haley was able to remind me why Ariel was one of my favorite princesses and one of my favorite movies as a child. You know, there really aren't any words to describe that moment. And people going into that film thinking it's going to be anything other than a kid's movie or expecting anything other than a kid's movie really need to, to be... Come realists and set their expectations lower because again it's a kids movie and they did a great job it exceeded my expectations and it was fun to watch so anyone rating this movie as anything below three stars is racist and that's a fact so for my next episode I will be delving into books and more movies i'm currently in the process of finishing a fantasy novel called fourth wing by rebecca yaros a popular book talk read it is about dragons ah! it feels you know it's not giving house of dragons obviously it's more of like how do i describe it i really want to say like it's a cross combination between harry potter and the divergent series like if Divergent and harry potter had a baby this would be with dragons this would be somewhat along that genre or realm. But um, yeah, so I'm going to talk about that a little bit. And yeah, it does feel a bit juvenile, but life is short and I'm going to do what I want. So I'm excited to talk about that as well as Spider-Man 2. And I will also be talking about Marvel shortcomings. So if any of that piques your interest, come back in two weeks or either way, come back in two weeks, right? <laughs> Till next time. Thank you so much for listening. And again, give yourself a pat on the back if you listen to this, because we made it. We powered through.